everything we've done, we've done together. This is an insane world. We're all infected. We tell ourselves that we are the walking dead. I know it looks bad. We've all been through hell and worse, but at least we found each other. We won't get weak. That's not in us anymore. I'm keeping this group together, alive. We do what we need to do, and then we get to live. We've all done the worst kinds of things just to stay alive. We'll find shelter somewhere. There's got to be a place. Not just where we hold up, but we fortify, hunker down, pull ourselves together, build a life for each other. I know it's out there. We just have to find it. We don't kill the living. I couldn't sacrifice one of us for the greater good because, because we are the greater good. We're the reason we're still here, not me. You're my brother. This is life and death. How you live, how you die, it isn't up to me. We choose to go. We choose to stay. We stick together. I'm a father. He's the one thing I don't want to fail. We won't get weak. That's not in us anymore. We were walking side by side, but you were bringing me somewhere to the new world. This isn't it. There's going to be more. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And those were the words of Rick Grimes, as performed by Andrew Lincoln in his phenomenal performance uh, of the character over the last nine years or so. And Jason, I need to ask you a question at this point. Yeah. Longtime listeners will know that you have or you, you make it a policy to stay pretty clean on things going into the podcast. You watch the episode once or twice. But you don't read news, you don't listen to other podcasts, you don't go on the social media, you don't generally know anything. I don't know anything. Other than... I am I am completely ignorant of the world at large, outside of what the actual episode shows me. Exactly, that's what I'm trying to say. So you don't yeah. really go in with any preconceived notions, any other opinions on anything, you just go in fresh. So going into last night's episode, you yeah. were aware that... Uh, not last night's the night before you were aware that for a couple of weeks now that I knew that how many episodes Rick Grimes had left, but going into this week's episode, you had no idea that this was the one. Well, I'm not an idiot. Of course I knew it was the one. You did know it was the one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suspected because you, um, I, I put together, I've known you for quite some time now and yeah. I know what your comments mean and I kind of, I put it together. That uh, and it was obvious after Rick got skewered on that uh, piece of rebar. Sure, yeah. that uh, there's a real good chance that it uh, uh, wouldn't be a survivable wound mm-hmm. uh, unless immediate medical attention uh, was taken right. or given. Right. Um, yeah, I kind of figured that this would be. And you were you have been saying, well, that was the last conversation with Daryl. That was the last conversation with Carol. Uh, you know that kind of thing. So I'm I'm putting it all together. All right, so you did uh, so kind of... I, I had an idea, but you, not because anything in the media told me, Yeah, only because basically you told me. All right, so you did sort of put it together, um, but you didn't 
really have any other idea other than that. So uh, I, I'm going to assume other than that, it was a little bit of a surprise to you. And of course, we're sort of starting at the end here, uh, which we will recap the episode and all that. But I wanted to bring that up right now because, of course, it was the final episode with Rick Grimes. He has moved on from the show. Uh, there is definitely more to talk about regarding that, which we will get to later on in the podcast. Um, but that little Rick Grimes trip tribute I just played off the top there, I've been putting together for a couple of weeks now, ever yep. since it was officially announced that Rick only had two episodes left, um, which which is a true thing, Jason. They actually announced it and they've been promoting it hard. Uh, right. which is, which is funny. Um, but anyways, I've been putting that together kind of based on the assumption that he was going to be killed off and he what was do you mean based on the assumption. Okay, go ahead. He was not, he was not, he flew off in a helicopter at the end. Uh, two just parts, like you said he would two parts unknown. Yeah. Just like I said he would, but I also believed that maybe naively that he, he actually would be killed off and he was not. So, uh, I tried to focus not knowing what was going on either way. I tried to focus on some of the more kind of uplifting or motivational clips <laughs> that, that Rick has had right. in the past. There've been some dark times with Rick Grimes. Uh, but I hope that little thing there a couple minutes off the top was, was fun to listen to. And I, I had a good time putting it together. So you didn't believe your own theory. No, like I mean, your your own theory was flying off in a helicopter, but you didn't believe that that would be that would be true that he would actually be killed. I, you know, I don't know. I I was throwing things out there as theories, but I I really had no idea what was going on. I could I could equally believe that he would fly off in a helicopter and live, and, or or be killed off in some heroic way. And you know, for a minute there, I thought that did happen until it yeah. didn't. Or oh, it might be another dream, right? <laughs> I don't think there's anything dream, anything dream related going on, but, uh, that's no, that. well, yeah, the, the whole episode was, uh, you know, hallucinations and dreams. Uh, so maybe this was just another one, but it would have had to have been, uh, Jadis's dream. Right. And I don't think that's it. So <laughs> anyways, Rick Grimes is no longer on the show and I look forward to talking more about that after we recap the episode, which I think we should start right now. Sure. Okay, Season 9, Episode 5, the last episode with Rick Grimes. Here we go. What comes after? Time to catch up on The Walking Dead. What comes after Episode 4? What comes after? Right. What comes after Episode 4? What comes after? That's what I'm asking. What comes after is what comes after. Never mind. I'm just going to rewatch The Obligate. Thank you, Thorn Rain on the internet, and John in New York City, and a mystery voice there on John's recording. Yeah, that's uh, that was a play on Who's On First, one of the best jokes ever to make it onto television. Uh, yeah, Who's On First is one of my absolute favorite routines of all time, and that's what that was a play on. So congratulations, John, <laughs> in New York City on that one. It was great, but also thank you, Thorn Rain, for the first title read. Okay, so the first baseman, when his wife comes to pick up the check... Whose wife is it? That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yes, my kids have a, they wrote a children's book based on that story. You should get it for Jasper and read it to him when he's older because he's a little young to understand it. But yeah. uh, my kids love it and I've been trying to convince them to perform it at their school talent show. I think that would be amazing. That would be really cool. All right. So, but you didn't, uh, 
we didn't do the hello, my name is Jason and my name is Chris thing. Well, that's fine. We're mixing it up a little bit this week. Well, mixing it up, but I wanted to make a joke about it. It's episode number 404. This is the episode not found. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. You should have warned me because I might have uh, I might have gone for that. But it is. It's Talking Dead episode 404, just in case anyone really needs that number. Yeah. Episode not found. Okay, there. great. Now we can move on. Thanks. Okay, let's recap this sucker. It's season nine, episode five. What comes after? It's a hell of an episode. We start with the cold open and we're in the hospital from the pilot episode where Rick is lying in a hospital bed. We see a large swarm of birds outside the window and season nine, Rick is standing over season one, Rick, telling him to wake up. It's time to go. I recognize that that skyline now. Because uh, did they show this shot or anything similar out the window in the pilot of Atlanta? Um, no, they didn't, did they? I, I can't say for sure. Because he wasn't in Atlanta. He was outside of Atlanta. Like the hospital that he woke up in was not in Atlanta. No, that's right. Because he goes into the city later on. Yeah. Right. Okay. No. So um, so you recognize- But I remember the skyline from when we were there. Okay. That must well, be it. The one time I was there, you've been there a number of times since then. Yeah. A whole bunch. Uh, the birds outside the window suddenly change to a flock of helicopters and come straight at the hospital and then swerve around it. So that's a little bit weird, right? That birds change into helicopters? In his vision, dream, hallucination, whatever you want to call this. Yeah. This is inside his, his brain and he gets foreshadowing for what he has no idea is about to happen. Well, Rick has seen the helicopter. Season nine, Rick saw the helicopter last year. Yeah. So he knows of helicopters. Well, I know that he knows they exist. Yeah. Right? And yeah, yeah. he saw one uh, a year and a half ago or whenever. Yep. Uh, but why would they show up in his dream foreshadowing what's going to happen at the end of this episode? Um. Well, I don't know, but it's hard to explain dreams sometimes, probably, right? I I don't know. But it's it's happening. Like, we can agree that this scene is happening within his mind. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so his mind is conjuring up these helicopters. As, I just don't know why. As he's lying there on with the rebar through his through his abdomen, he's having this like fever dream or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and his own self is telling him to wake up because he has to save himself. Um, but the helicopters. I mean, I don't. I didn't think it was that unusual that they were there. Like, yeah, I guess it's foreshadowing what's going to happen, which he doesn't know yet. But I don't know. Didn't, didn't. I mean, if there was no helicopter at the end of this episode, having the helicopters here in his uh, in his hallucination doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Mm. Right? Yeah. So, therefore, since Rick doesn't know that the helicopter is going to happen, why are they showing up in his uh, in his hallucination? Anyway, it's just it's a little. It doesn't make sense. The, the internal consistency, the continuity of the uh, of the episode. Kind of breaks for me there, just just a little bit, All right? Just, well, just a little bit. It didn't take long. Um, <laughs> we hear Morgan's voice say, "What's your wound?" And then season one, Rick in the hospital bed kind of wakes up and gives a bit of a grin to season nine, Rick, and says, "Yeah, wake up, asshole!" And uh, suddenly we're back in the present on the rebound. How they do that shot? Like they didn't film that in season one. Wake up, asshole! No, because they would. They first of all, they didn't know that. Uh, you could say asshole on the air. Right, right. I, I think they just shot Andy Lincoln and made him up to look uh, like he did nine years ago. 
he doesn't crazy. he doesn't look as old and grizzled in real life as he does when he's Rick Grimes in season nine. Oh, okay. He he well, actually yeah he actually still looks like a pretty uh, handsome young man in real life. Oh, fun! Even though he's like my age, probably, but you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so we're back on the rebar. He wakes up and he he's there's some more rebar sticking above him, which he just can't reach. So he takes his belt off, loops it around, and has manages to pull himself up and off the piece of rebar that is puncturing his stomach. He crawls back to his horse, gets on, and rides away with the zombies following very close behind. So let me ask you a question. Sure. Knowing me, you know me. Pretty well. You've met me before. We've, you know, I just talked about how I've known you for a number of years. Mm -hmm. Now, let me ask you, I've asked you the similar question before, but uh, this scene, do you think I had a problem with it? Well, I want to say maybe, but I I feel like you might surprise me here. Uh, I absolutely did not have a problem with this. See, that surprises me. <laughs> <laughs> Never underestimate what a properly motivated individual can do. Right. Uh, so I don't know if the rebar was there last episode, like the stuff above him that uh-huh. he could latch onto. But, you know, moving around with this thing of rebar sticking out of your gut probably has uh, a lot of pain associated with it. Uh, so undoing your belt, just that would be excruciating. Pulling yourself off and then uh, like that seems like it would be an impossible job to do. Like I, absolutely possible, extremely painful and uh, just not something someone could do. Yeah, I agree. Then there was that guy that got his arm caught in the boulder and then they made that movie out of 127 hours mm-hmm. who used a multi-tool and cut his own fucking arm off. Man. I mean, right? people can do desperate or can do crazy things in desperate situations, right? Absolutely. So that's what I'm saying is that never underestimate what a properly motivated individual can do. Yeah. So well, he was motivated to get off that rebar. He found a way to do it. I, You know, like I say, I don't know if that rebar was sticking above him last episode. It, it I'll, ha- and I'll look. It had to have been. Like, it would be crazy. I don't know. I wouldn't put him past him not to have have it there oh, I in order know. to add to the tension. There's no way he could get off of that without getting help. But then all of a sudden there's magic rebar. Uh, anyway, he got off. I was okay with it. It looked, uh, Andrew Lincoln did a fantastic job acting his way through this. Oh yeah. It looked like it was painful. Totally. And then, uh, yeah. And then crawled over to his horse and then got on his horse. Getting on the horse, that was a feat in itself. Oh, that would be just as hard. But I made the same note. Like I thought you could really feel his pain. In these scenes, and you could say that about a lot of this episode, but pulling himself off that rebar, you just, you could see it. You could see it in his face and in the noises he was making that it really hurt, uh, you know, and it would really hurt. Um, Graham on Facebook writes, holy crap, did you see that Rick just pulled him, pulled himself off a two foot long rebar spike? I do think Rick has lost a lot of blood, but some things can be forgiven for the good of the story. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, yeah, a lot of blood loss there. I would, I would assume. But he's bleeding a lot. This, this whole thing. So, yeah. Uh, now I okay. have another question for you. Sure. The zombies in this shot. Yes. Did they look like they went to zombie school? They didn't look like they went to zombie school to me. They just looked like they were. I stumbled home in very similar conditions on a Sunday morning. Uh, you know, back in my twenties, whereas <laughs> just walking down the street, stumbling along. That's they just look like they're extremely a bunch of extremely hungover people. Uh, that look, you know, really bad. They've likely had sure. a really rough night. But it didn't seem like they were, they went to zombie school to me. 
No, I, I didn't really notice, but I was sort of focusing on, on Rick. But are you saying they just, they're just kind of strolling along instead of zombie walking? Well, they're stumbling a little bit, but they're not like true. Like, you know, I've seen better zombie walks in this show uh, sure. previously. They just looked like they were tired and hungover. Okay. Well. And just kind of thumping. I was like, oh, I can't believe I got to walk seven miles all the way home. I'm so tired. <laughs> You know? All right. Well, I don't know. Maybe they were, but I didn't really notice. I thought, I, I was still thinking to myself, man, Rick, you better get away, buddy. Get on that horse yeah. and go. All right. It's true. We have our opening credits. And after that, we are with Jadis. And she's driving in an RV. It breaks down and she's mighty pissed about it, slamming on that steering wheel. And then a voice on the radio comes on and wants to know her location and status of her A. <laughs> which I think is funny. Mm. Jason, what's the status of your A right now? Uh, perfect. Thank you. Good. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and she says that she has the A and it's ready for transport. The voice warns that it better not be a trick. And she says she needs to leave this place and they know where to find her. So now, do we, are we going to have more conversations about A and B in this episode? But since it's this has come up, mm-hmm. I still haven't figured out what an A and a B is. No. I'm wondering if the internet, because I haven't looked on the internet. Does the internet know or there's just simply not enough information to figure it out? No, there's a lot of speculation going on about what it is. We don't know for sure. It hasn't been revealed. Um, Everything from A and B as in friend or enemy, uh, infected, not infected, male, female, uh, or infected, not infected. So there's all kinds of, of, uh, theories out there. There's more than that as well. So, uh, no, we don't know. We don't know for sure. Okay. I don't think it can be any of those. Cause why not just say infected, not infected or male or female yeah. or friend or enemy, uh, or, you know, something like that. But why A and B, why the term A and B? Right. Why make it obscure other than uh, to confuse us as the viewers? And I hope it's just not that because that seems silly. Uh, I hope it does actually mean something in the end. And, um, you know, we might not find out for a while. (laughs) So, uh, Uh, yeah, it might be a while. I don't know. Ever, if ever, at this point, right? Right. uh, we'll, We'll get to that. We'll get to that after our recap. Okay. Um, Rick, we go back to him. He's on his horse. He's bleeding badly. He's kind of muttering to himself about keeping them safe and leading them away and things like that. He should have known that he was going to bleed by the fact that he had a white horse. Yeah, he bled all over This is my wife's theory, right? White shirt, you're going to bleed. White horse, it's not really that tropey, but uh, he bled all over that horse. There was a big blood spot on the side of the horse, and also there was blood dripping onto onto the leg. Yeah. Uh, in front there, because, you know, we see him mostly upright on this horse, but while he's in uh, having his hallucinations, he's probably face down on the neck of the horse. And the ho- it's entirely the horse's responsibility to keep that sucker on his back. Right. That's a good, that's a good horse. He does a good job for most of the episode. He does for sure. But you're right. Rick bleeds all over this beautiful white horse. And it's a pretty effective image, I think. A pretty striking, pretty striking imagery to have mm-hmm. blood on a white horse. So yep. it's a, it's an interesting. Blood on a white horse. That's a, that's a song, right? That's got to be a song. Yeah. Or maybe an album even. Blood on a yeah, white horse. Yeah, that'd be a good album. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and it's, but it's an interesting take on the whole like white shirt 
bleed all over it kind of thing. So congratulations, writers, on coming up with white horse instead of white shirt. Yep, for sure. So Rick starts to pass out a little bit, and we get some shots of the farm, an overturned car, and his empty hospital bed and various zombies. We cut back to Rick, and he's suddenly slightly more lucid now, and he picks up the pace a bit to get away from the walkers that are catching up behind him. So he's coming in and out of consciousness a little bit there, I'd say. Good man. We go over to Maggie and Diane, who are on their way to Alexandria. They come to a small bridge with a zombie on it, and Maggie gets off her horse and kills it with her crowbar, and she smashes that sucker multiple times, and it sounds more and more squishy with each hit. Yeah, she's just practicing. She's, uh, you know, it's her warm-up swing Well, that exactly. crowbar. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, because she's on her way to do that to Negan, and she wants to make sure that crowbar is an effective killing tool, and it sounds like it is. Yeah, it's good. It's like uh, taking, you know, taking a car out, a new car out for a test drive, right? It's just, uh, <laughs> you got you to gotta try it out, make sure it fits right, and that it does the job, and it's, uh, yeah, it's good work. So, right. there you go. Um. We go back to the walkers following Rick. He seems like he's in really bad shape. He's barely staying awake. And he sees a mailbox on the side of the road by a driveway, and he decides to ride it towards a cabin. And when he gets there, this cabin kind of reminded me of the Evil Dead cabin a little bit. (laughs) At the end. Well, at the end, but even as he rode up to it, I'm just like, oh, that's an abandoned... No, I mean at at the end of the Evil Dead. At the beginning, it's not so bad. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah. The, just the way it looked though, right? It just yep. looked like the evil dead cabin to me. Now he approaches it on one, one door is boarded up and it says, come face me assholes. Nice. So he goes in another way. He wraps some fabric around his wound, around his abdomen. And I think that that sign meant that, uh, it indicated to me like it was written by, uh, somebody out East in Canada and it made me wonder why they had multiple assholes. Come oh. face me, assholes. <laughs> okay, whatever you say. <laughs> um, he he finds a couple of long dead and heavily decayed people in there. Pretty pretty nasty looking. Uh-huh. And we also notice that the walls are full of, full of bullet holes. So whatever happened here, there was a lot of shooting. And uh, but it a seemed, lot of missing. Seems like a lot of missing, and it seems like it happened a long time ago. Right, because if it, I assume there was a lot of missing, because if you're shooting at something and you hit it, you stop shooting. Yeah, usually you would think so, but unless they were shooting at the house and they just kept hitting it over and over again. Oh, they were shooting at the zombies outside of the house. Maybe. I don't know. That's what they were doing. I don't know. If you're going to write, come face me assholes on the door, like, <laughs> I feel like there are, there's probably people taunting or threatening you and... Or, you know, maybe sneaking around at night when you can't see them and you just want them to step up and face you face to face, assholes. Right. Face to asshole. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We go to a commercial break and when we come back, we are uh, with Rick, but he's riding his horse into Atlanta, which is the same scene all from all the way back in the pilot, the zombies behind him, the road empty in front of him and all the cars clogging up the road going the other direction. Yeah, I said it before in the pilot episode, and I'll say it again. Uh-huh. Nine, nine years later, 404 episodes later, if people were trying to get out of Atlanta and uh, one side of the highway was extremely clogged and the other side was completely empty, people would use the other side of the highway. I think they probably would, yeah. I mean, unless... They wouldn't just say, oh, no, no that, that's for people going into Atlanta. We're going to leave that. 
no cars on that. We're just going to leave that. We're going to stay in our, our traffic jam, our burnt out traffic jam over here and just leave those lanes alone because they're going in the wrong direction. I don't know, man. People are pretty set in their ways. Like some people are like, you can't drive on that other side. It's the oncoming traffic. Oh, come on. Where have you been living? I saw people, two people drive the wrong way down the road today to, to get into a left-hand turning lane that wasn't for another 10 cars. Uh, that doesn't sound safe. The, the, it was not safe. The, 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 lane, the oncoming traffic lanes were empty, mm-hmm. so people just drove directly the wrong way down the street just to get into that left-hand turning lane okay. early. Yeah. I saw that today. Just to sit there and wait for the light to change, probably. <laughs> and actually, uh, they did make it because I was going into that left-hand turning lane, but I waited until I could actually go over without driving the wrong way down the road, and uh, they made the light. I didn't. I had to wait, oh, maybe another minute. So I was a minute behind them. Oh, my God. Well, Awful. Hopefully they got to where they're going. Seeing that means that people would be driving this on this highway the wrong way for sure. All right. Well, Rick gets into Atlanta on his horse, and we hear him do a quick voiceover of, I'm looking for my family. And then we have Lori's voice say, What's your wound? The same question that Morgan's voice asked Mm -hmm. earlier on. And Rick comes across Shane sitting in a police car. And now suddenly they're back in the police car from the beginning of the pilot. But this time they're talking about the guys that Rick or that shot Rick. Right. Shortly after that. uh, You think that in his uh, fever dream or hallucination, he could actually taste that hamburger? Because it's been a while since he's had a decent hamburger, I bet. Yeah, it probably has been a rather long time. So hopefully I he don't could think taste I, it. You know, if I was in that situation, I don't think I'd be talking to Shane. I'd be like, shut up, let me eat your burger. I'm going <laughs> to eat mine, and then I'm going to eat yours, and then we can talk. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's an interesting point. I don't know. Do you taste things in your dreams usually? I do. Do you? That's exciting. But I generally know that I'm dreaming. Oh, you're one of those people, eh? Yeah, I'm one of those people. All right. Well, they talk about the guys that shot Rick and how there was a third guy, and they, it's too bad they didn't know. Uh, but then Rick mentions he's looking for his family, and Shane says that, well, they're, they're, they're more my family, really. <laughs> and if, the if, best. Yeah, if there was any ever question about whether Judith was fathered by Shane or Rick, I don't think it's a question anymore. Judith is Rick's da- is Shane's daughter. Well, I don't know. This is just, again, this is happening in Rick's mind. So Rick is having this conversation with himself. Okay, right? fair enough. But it's at least showing that he's certainly insecure about that then. Yes. He, yeah, he, he, this is what he, I don't even know if it suspects it, but his subconscious having a conversation with uh, an imaginary Shane, Mm -hmm. uh, this topic comes up (laughs) and he mentions his ears. He's like, at least she doesn't have my ears. Yeah. Uh, I I laughed so hard. I actually laughed out loud and put my arms up in the air and I was very happy about that. I agree. I'm glad they did that because his ears became a thing, like his earlobes specifically, right? So (laughs) I'm glad they put that in the show. They know. They know what they're doing. It's funny. It's good stuff. Uh, So so you're right. I I feel like this scene also kind of shows that Rick has come to terms with the fact that Judith is not his a little bit because he sort of laughs it off almost in this scene, right? Um, Which I think is is nice. doesn't matter who she is. She needs to be cared for and loved no matter what. Yeah, I wouldn't give a shit. No, of course not. Not even a little bit. 
All right, good. Well, uh, so the gist of the conversation after this pretty much is that Shane, because of the way he was, forced Rick to do some difficult things. And that's one of the things that made him very strong. Shane says he gave him the ability to dig down, find the rage and do stuff like bite a dude's throat out, <laughs> yep. which is what's helped Rick survive this long. Uh, but Rick eventually apologizes for what I did to you, meaning, you know, shooting you, killing you. Yeah. Um, and then Shane suddenly turns to him and screams, wake up. And we smash cut back to the cabin where a zombie is just about to get to Rick. And it turns out he passed out again and wakes up just in time. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the cabin gives birth to him. Uh, yeah, that's true. He smashes his way out the boarded door that we saw before and he escapes just in time with a zombie, uh, grabbing at his foot. Yeah. So it's, it's the struggle that makes you stronger. So that's, uh, and then we have a birthing scene. It's funny. Yeah, it's good. It's good. This is, this is a little typical for horror movies, right? You go through the birth canal and you come out stronger on the other side and that's. Yeah, it's usually a survivor girl, but whatever. Sure. Well, in this case, Rick is the survivor girl. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Michael in Ozark, Missouri wrote, holy crap, guys, with Rick gone, the Grimes' bloodline is no more. Being that Judith is Shane's kid, his bloodline will continue. Hope Judith doesn't turn out to be a jerk also. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yep. And then right after Rick gets on his horse again and manages to get away, he, he, well, he, he gets away and Elizabeth in Newcastle, UK writes, holy crap, did you see that? The most placid and well-behaved horse in the world ever. So patiently waiting for Rick to get back on while dozens of zombies are 10 feet away and closing in. That horse is either very well-trained or very stupid. Very, it's the best horse. It's the best horse. It's a good, he'll wait for you. He'll let you bleed all over him and he'll get you away when you need to get away. This horse is better. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. This horse is better than Indiana Jones's hat. Indiana Jones always gets his hat back, but this horse is always there for Rick when he needs him. I guess until he runs away later. Yeah. Well, you know, shit happens. Yeah. This is a good horse. (laughs) It's a damn good horse. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, we cut over to Michonne back at Alexandria. She's working. Judith is playing nearby. They're in the house. And then Scott comes in and says that Maggie has arrived. Uh, so she's finally there, which is nice. And we cut over to Maggie. She comes to the house that they have Negan in, but Michonne is already there guarding the door. And now they have a really awesome conversation. Basically, Maggie expresses her case for coming to kill Negan. And at first, Michonne is really defensive and blocks her way. Uh, You know, she says things like, Glenn wouldn't want you to have to go through me to do this. You know, that's something. And Maggie eventually, she kind of lays out her case and then eventually asks Michonne if there's something else she can do is there what else can i do other than kill negan to make good here and michonne has no answer for her so then she hands over the key and allows maggie to pass into the cell it's a big this is the biggest problem i had with this whole episode and it's not even that big of a problem it's a let me in no you have to go through me come on all right, here you go. But it wasn't that simple. I mean... No, but it could be boiled down to it. It reminded me of uh, Will Ferrell's character in the Austin Powers movie that absolutely hates 
uh, having questions asked of him three times. So you ask him a question, I will never tell you. You'll have to pry. You'll have to burn my head off. I will never tell you. Where is blah, blah, blah? I will never tell you. There's no way I'm ever going to tell you. Where is blah, blah, blah? Oh, he's at his hotel room over there. Just like the third time you ask him a question is when he breaks. He's like, I just hate being asked the same question three times, so I just say the answer. Wait a minute. Will Ferrell was in Austin Powers movies? Yeah, you don't remember that? No, I don't remember that. He was one of the assassins, one of uh, Dr. Evil's assassins. Okay. Well, that is a ridiculous comparison because this is one of my favorite (laughs) scenes in the episode. I think it's powerful. It's well acted, but it's just the motivation didn't make any sense to me. Just like, no, you, you know, would Glenn approve of you having to go through me to get to him? And she Uh, says, I have no idea because he's dead at his hand and I can't ask him this. Right, yeah, but that's not the question she asked. And she that, asked, "Would he approve?" You know your husband. You know what he's like. He wouldn't approve of that. Maggie knows that. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know, man. I, I think this was one of my favorite scenes in the episode. Both of them were amazing. It was intense. It was intriguing. And I thought the things that Maggie said to lay out her case about why I'm here and why I have to do this all made so much sense. And she left Michonne speechless, which was incredible. Like she changed yeah. her mind. I don't know. It it seemed a little. Uh, and it was too easy. Not it was on, too easy. Well, I mean, we couldn't spend all day on it. But not only that, but um, what did Maggie say? She said if that had you know if if Negan had killed Rick that way, he would have been dead a long time ago, and you know it. And I just thought it all added up to something that got to Michonne, left her with no argument. And she had no other choice to let her in. I think it worked really well. She, she knows the argument. The argument is, you know, this is what Carl wanted. You know, killing him makes him a martyr to the saviors. Uh, it's just there's all kinds of reasons that Maggie knows. She just, I guess she just blanked. She's, you know, concentrating so much on her uh, her document that she's writing for the laws that she just, Maybe she's just tired. It's like, oh, fuck it. I don't care that much. Oh, Michonne, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Michonne's just tired. Uh, I don't know. It seemed a little too easy. It seemed very, let me in. No, you'll have to go through me first. It's like, come on. No. All right. I, I think go you're, ahead. I think you're, bo- you're reducing it too much. I think you're boiling it down to uh, something that is not giving it the, the, uh, not acknowledging the weight that it had. I think being reductive is the phrase you're looking for. You're being reductive. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I can semi agree with that argument, but it just, it bothered me. It seemed a little too easy. All right. Well, fair, fair enough. I think it was amazing. Either way. I've been convinced. I'm not one of those people that uh, can't be convinced of a reasonable uh, argument made on, you know, with actual facts Uh because, you know, uh, but, and I'm just I'm uh, okay. I'm a little bit stammered here because one thing is, uh, if Maggie had a reasonable argument that could not be countered and it made perfect sense to Michonne, absolutely go in. But Maggie didn't make, or sorry, Michonne didn't make the counter argument that has been argued through this entire season. Why Negan is still alive? That didn't come into play here. It just seemed a little too easy. Uh, but. I'm also, since I am that guy that can listen to reason, I can concede the point that 
with that you're making that I I am being a little reductive. I okay. I think I think you I think you do bring up a good point that Maggie didn't. Or, or sorry, we keep me confusing the names. That Michonne didn't articulate it all that well. I mean, there was that one point where you know Maggie says something like, "I I have to do this." There, there's there's no other option. And and Michonne, what did she say? You have you're going to have to find another way, right? You're just going to have to. Uh, where I guess she could have laid it out, but at the same time. I know the two of them standing there haven't spoken directly about it um, directly. I mean, they did speak earlier at Hilltop, right? But uh, us as the audience, we, we already know the, the argument for keeping him alive. We've heard both sides of it. So maybe we didn't need it reiterated, but. No, but then we didn't need Maggie's side of the argument either, because we know that side. She killed my husband. I'm going to kill him. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, so I, I don't know. It just, it, it seemed a little bit, it, it was a little too easy. Sure. I would have liked a longer conversation. I would have liked, if they're going to lay out arguments, lay them all out, right? Or don't <laughs> lay them out at all. Maybe do an entire episode of the two of them standing there debating this point and, and in the middle they have a katana uh, crowbar fight and then they stop that and come to a resolution. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Either way. Maggie goes inside to talk to Negan at this point yep. and she tells him to get on his knees. He starts going on about what he did in the clearing. He's being a real prick to her, taunting her by recounting what he did to Glenn. He says he enjoyed killing Glenn. Yep. Uh, he talks about how he bashed his brains in, uh, popped his eyeball out and he, he, he pretends to forget Glenn's name just to <laughs> add, <laughs> that add was awesome. just to add insult to injury. And, you know, uh, it's to me like I've you hate Negan at times, but this is one of these times where before I realized what was going on in this greater scene here, I don't think I've ever hated him so much. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was a masterwork in writing and acting. It was Uh, almost difficult to watch. Like the, the, just the, the, the rage filling in me going, I can't believe you're saying these things to this woman and whatever she's about to do. I completely am on, on board with it because you are such a giant a-hole. Yeah. The nice thing is that was his plan. (laughs) Yeah. So he, you know, he's, he's now telling her over and over to kill him. Right. He, he goes from this kind of, uh, like he's he's there trying to make her angry. He's saying all these things to make her as mad as possible. And then he's saying, I deserve to die. Kill me, kill me, kill me. So she unlocks the cell and she does this slowly while he's talking. So not only am I filling with rage because I hate Negan so much in this scene, I'm also worried that she's unlocking the cell and he's going to do something crazy and, and get the better of her. So oh, he's been sitting in a cell for a year and a half. He's not doing anything. No, but like, uh, this is a TV show. So I'm like, I hate him so much. She's unlocking the cell. Is she ready for what's about to happen? What if he charges out and, and, you know, knocks her down with the cell door and now he suddenly is, has the advantage. So not only was I hyper upset, I was hyper tense too about the whole thing. Right. But she unlocks the cell and she pulls him out and throws him against the far wall, kind of smashing him against the wall. And it turns out he is only a shell of his former self. So he he can't do anything. And he's now crying on the floor. He's begging for her to kill him. And she demands to know why. 
and so he reveals that he wants to be with his wife, to be with Lucille, and he continues to beg her to do it, and there's suddenly not a lot of Negan as we know him left here. No, he's, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a broken man. He is. And so Maggie realizes this, and she realizes that he's already worse than dead, as she says, and puts him back in the cell, then locks the door and leaves. So, yeah, he's a broken, broken man who who was saying all those horrible things to just, you know, get her so riled up that she would, you know, kill him without even any other thought. So this... Uh... It finally happened. So I've been saying all season, you know, don't talk to crazy because you're not going to get what you want. Right. Right. You're not, you're, you're not going to get satisfaction by going in and talking to that man. But Maggie did. Right. Because mm-hmm. she found out that he was a broken man and that uh, he's worse than dead. And what I've been saying all along is if you really want to mess with him and you really want to torture him, don't give him an avenue to talk to somebody. Just leave him there. And that's yeah. what Maggie did. So Maggie finally, somebody finally, after two years of, uh, two and a half years of Negan being on this show, f- somebody finally got the emotional and mental upper hand on Negan. Right. She had to see him break down like that and beg to be killed because there's just nothing left of him because he hates living in that cell so much, right? He'd rather be dead. And, yep. uh, not only that, but he's he wants to be with his wife, as he said. So you're right. It's a good point. She finally got the upper hand, and now he's suffering more than he would in any other way. Yep. It's crazy. Uh, Beth in Kansas writes, Holy crap, I just felt actual empathy for Negan, and there were tears. So emotions all over the place in that scene, I, I felt. Yep. So we take a commercial break, and when we come back... Uh, Maggie comes outside. Michonne is still there. Before they can really say anything to each other, Diane runs up and says that something's up at the camp. Oh. Yeah. So we go over to Rick. He is on his horse leading the walkers. He's muttering about finding his family still. He passes out now and slumps forward on the force. Uh, on the force. On the horse. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it is the force. Yeah, maybe. I don't maybe know. he's riding the force. The- get Jedis do that? Force mount? Force, the force horse? I don't know. Why not? No, the force the force mount. I know that uh, in D&D there's a, you know, you can have a, a spell that summons a mount yeah. out of thin air. Well, <laughs> that's maybe what we got going on here. Uh, he passes out on the horse and we're back at the farm with Herschel. And in this case, we hear another voiceover with what's your wound? And it's a woman's voice. And I think it was Beth. But the closed captioning in this one just said woman. It was Beth. Yeah. I, I thought it was Beth because we see her later, right? Or would we see what I think was supposed to be her a little bit later? We, we do. I, I'm quite sure it was Beth or at least supposed to be Beth. But before the closed captioning said Morgan and said Lori and here it said woman. So I think the closed captioning guy just didn't do it. Didn't do his job. But definitely Beth says, what's your woman? Well, maybe they didn't get Emily Kinney. They just got a, the sound alike. It and, could be. Could be, yeah. And the the closed captioning guy that was writing it up knew that. It's like, ah, that's not Emily Kinney saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I do this for a living. I know who's talking. I'm and just going to write woman. It's just going to be a woman. Yeah. That's the <laughs> that's how he injects his two cents into the episode. 
Yeah. All right. Well, Herschel and Rick are standing in their in Herschel's barn. They're looking out over a sunset. Rick apologizes for everything that happened to Herschel's family, and he says, "Don't worry about Maggie. You know, she'll, she's strong." And Herschel reassures Rick that they'll still get the place they wanted for Carl, like still get the new world for Carl. And then he tells him to wake up. This this was this scene was a little hard to watch. It was a little hard to watch. It's the last thing that Scott Wilson ever acted in before he yep. passed away. And he looks good. And he does. Yeah, it was, it was a little hard to watch just knowing that Scott Wilson had passed away. Yeah. So it, uh, it, 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 you know, it was, it was probably only months after they shot this that, that he died. So it, it was pretty sad. And just the way, I mean, the way Andrew Lincoln hugs him and says, I'm sorry for what happened to you. I'm like, it's almost like they knew, but of course they don't. They didn't. Uh, but it was, it was really sad. Last yeah. thing, last thing he ever did. Uh, so Rick wakes up on his horse again, but almost immediately passes back out. And now we're back in the hospital from the pilot again. And we hear Abraham say, what's your wound? Rick is walking through the hospital. He comes to the don't dead open inside door, which of mm -hmm. course we recognize, but this time it's a little different. The don't is crossed out, which it wasn't before. And this time he opens the door and steps into a blinding light. And on the other side, he's now walking through an endless field of dead bodies. And amongst the dead are all of his friends. Yep. I recognized a lot of people in that pile. Yeah, absolutely. You you see Beth, or at least the back of her. You see Daryl. You see Rosita. You see Greg Nicotero, too. I don't know if you caught him in there. <laughs> I did not. Yeah, he's he's there for sure. Uh, and I saw Jesus. Jesus. Uh, Who else? Yeah. There's a lot of people. Well, I don't know if I can enumerate them all. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Carol's there. I'm just going watching the scene now. Yeah. Uh yeah, there's a lot of people. I wonder how they shot that. A lot of Just dead. Like, okay, everybody lie down. And then, you know, people moving other people around so that everybody looks even and then computers. Yeah, computers, exactly. Uh, but that's it. He's walking through this this field of, of dead bodies. Suddenly, Sasha stands up behind Rick and starts talking to him. Uh, Rick says they're all dead. And she responds that it's okay because they all did their part to help each other. And as a group, they all gave each other strength. Um, she says they, you know, we changed each other. We helped each other. It's all about us. And she says that his family isn't lost and he's not lost, but he needs to wake up. Yeah. Because all this time Rick has been, you know, looking for his family, trying to save them, to lead the zombies away, stuff like that. Uh, Victor in Rio Verde, Brazil writes, holy crap. It was great to see Rick having a moment with Shane and Herschel, but why Sasha? They didn't have a bond like Rick and Glenn or Rick and Carl. I wish that Rick could have had that final moment with Carl. But he's looking for his family. He can't find his family. Yeah, that's absolutely what it is. Um, there was a interview with, uh, what's her name? Angela Kang later. And she was asked that very question. And that was the answer she gave. Rick is looking for his family. If he found his family, 
that would be the end of it. That's where he's like, oh, okay, now I can stop looking. I can give up, basically. And they needed him to keep going, right? So yep. so he talks with with Herschel, not his family. He talks with Shane, not his family, and Sasha, who's not his family. So that's that's exactly what it was. But I must admit, I'm I was with Victor a little bit at the beginning thinking, oh, Sasha? Like, did they even ever interact on screen <laughs> you know? abraham would have been a better choice i think abe would have been a better choice for sure i at first i was like why couldn't it have been glenn or Lori yep. or something but you know i i get it now i sort of understand where what angela was saying uh, and what exactly what you said too they needed him to keep going and sasha's not who he's looking for really yeah. or he doesn't know it yet <laughs> Uh, but he wakes up and this time it turns out he's back at the camp now and he's fallen off the horse and our, our beautiful horse force, force horse runs away. So now the horse has left him. Yep. Well, I mean, is that enough is enough, right? I mean, no, you know, a good horse can only do so much. Sure. Yeah. He had to go on his own at this point. Even the flight attendants, they're told that if, uh, if the smoke is too thick or the flames are too hot, get out. Right? Like, you can only do so much to save all the people on the plane. You can you know, do what you can, but if you can't do it anymore, then get the hell out of there. Someday, eventually, you have to save yourself. Exactly. That's what the horse did. Okay, well, commercial break, and we come back. Rick is there on the ground. He's obviously badly injured. He starts shooting some nearby walkers. Uh, one, you know, he gets one that's close to him. She falls and lands on top of him. And then walkers start coming in from all directions, and they're pulling down the tents with them as they come. They're just tearing that camp apart. Your beautiful camp, Jason, is no more. Yeah. Well, you know, even in MASH, it all got torn down once or twice. Right. So that's what the walkers are doing. Rick manages to push this one walker off him. He gets up. He hobbles away. He comes out onto the road with this large herd behind him, and we get a shot of his feet sort of dragging along the road and he can barely walk and he collapses just before getting to the bridge. Now, as he's on the ground, suddenly everybody comes running across the bridge and I'm talking to everybody, King, Ezekiel, Daryl, Carol, all the characters, you name them, they're there. Uh, they fight off the first sort of layer of walkers behind him, except for Michonne who kneels down to him and says they're going to help him. She says it's not over. And she explains that she fell in love with him because he's a fighter and he's a survivor. And she says, Rick, you got to fight for me, fight for all of us. And this is the moment where Rick realizes that, you know, yes, he had Lori and Carl and Judith, but all of these people are his family. And, yep. uh, you know, he says to her, this isn't real. And Michonne says, yes, it is. Now wake up. And she kisses him. <laughs> And he wakes up. So <laughs> I really like this scene too. You know, it was a really nice interaction between the two of them. And uh, it's, again, it was his brain just figuring shit out and providing the mot motivation he needed to keep going just a little bit farther. Yep. You got to keep fighting. Keep it going. Keep fighting. Um, so he gets back up and he keeps moving across the bridge. Uh, and at this point, we get another shot of his feet, but this time there's all kinds of blood dripping down all around. So, you know, he's just getting worse and worse. He yeah. Get, he, he gets to the other side of the bridge. Zombies are close behind and then just about collapses again. And the walkers start coming across the bridge. But lo and behold, 
It holds. It doesn't collapse, and they don't. Damn all... it! We built the bridge too good. <laughs> it's right. We built this damn bridge. We. It, it had one job to hold, and it did. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I thought it was a bit odd that all the characters came out uh, to the rescue, right? I just they got everybody somehow magically showed up here, uh, and were ready to save him. And uh, so I thought, well, that's kind of out there. And then it turned out to be a dream. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense that that it didn't actually show up. Right. But then they do. They do shortly. Yeah. But I I'm with you. My first reaction was like, what, how come, where'd everybody come from? And they're actually just going to fight off these walkers. Cause there was an awful lot of them. Uh, but yes, continue dream. We needed a tiger to come out of nowhere. And then that will save the day. Oh my God. I'm, kind of surprised they didn't have Shiva come out at some point, you know, or just show her in the background, like chewing on walkers. That would have been awesome. <laughs> uh, all right. So Rick is across the bridge. Now the bridge is holding and he realizes this and he tries to keep going, but he's just out of energy and he can't move anymore. And just as a walker is about to get him, a bolt comes out of nowhere and takes it down and as we said, the rest of the group has shown up and Daryl's there, of course. Everybody's there. Daryl stands there sniping walkers with his crossbow from across the river. And uh, the rest of the group try to run to Rick's aid. And as they're doing that, he says to himself that they shouldn't do it. There's too many. He kind of tries to wave them off. And, uh, you know, but they, they go anyways, of course, because they're not just going to let him die there. He hatchets down one walker while while Daryl continues firing bolts into nearby ones. And uh, as walkers are coming across the bridge, one of them knocks a big box of dynamite off a table onto the bridge. So you've built a bridge in the past, right, Chris? Oh, I build bridges all the time, Jason. Yeah. Do you store your dynamite on the bridge that you're building? Like actually on it? (laughs) Well... I don't know why I would need the dynamite on the bridge, but I'm I'm going to say uh, somebody left it there accidentally on purpose. So why? Okay. First of all, why do you need the dynamite? Like why? 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 Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why you need dynamite, but it's good to have. Now, if there was a big ship called the Black Rock that just happened to be sitting off to the side of the bridge and that was full of dynamite, that's one thing. Sure. But this is, uh, you know, a wagon load or, a, a you know, a sk- at least a skid of dynamite Mm -hmm. sitting physically on the construction project that you're working on that you're trying to not blow up. Like, I think that of all the things in this whole area (laughs) that you're trying not to blow up, this, the thing you're working on is probably number one on the list. Right. So that's where you store your dynamite. Maybe that's what the hole was for. They were digging that big hole to store their dynamite in it and it just never made it there. See, now that makes sense. Okay. Okay. It's a dynamite hole. That's right. I mean, sure, why, how, how do they dig that big hole? Maybe they dug it with dynamite. If you're going to dig a hole for dynamite, dig it with dynamite. That makes sense. Yeah, and then you get to the end and you're like, damn it, now we got no more dynamite to store in the dynamite hole. So now we got all this dynamite that we wanted to store in the dynamite hole, but we haven't quite gotten it all to the dynamite hole, so let's store it on the bridge. Sure. Anyways, it was stored there on the bridge. It was sitting there. It was on its way to the dynamite hole, but someone had to run away at the last second. And now this zombie has knocked the box of dynamite onto the bridge. Yeah. And it didn't blow up, which is nice because they probably made this dynamite uh, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. Probably. 
but dynamite it, doesn't uh you know it kind of ages badly um, like we saw that in the lost yes we did we did but, but that when you know as a black rock that was like a long time ago kind of thing but uh you know dynamite gets unstable after a while i assume from what tv tells me mm-hmm. dynamite gets unstable after a while i'm sure that current dynamite probably has a higher stability than stuff they made in the 1870s uh quick call here from lee hey chris and jason this is lee in st Catharines, and holy crap did you see how red that dynamite was how perfect it looked reminded me of a saturday morning cartoon almost other than that i love the episode didn't like the new look on judith but that was a good episode talk to you guys later it's like lego dynamite <laughs> it's always you, perfect and you, beautiful you can get lego dynamite and it looks great all right well there you go so everybody is still running to tr- to get to rick to try to help him uh i don't know if you noticed but there is a look between rick and daryl here really rick looking at daryl and it was one of these Andrew Lincoln eyeball moments, I think. I just thought it was one of these you're my brother looks, and I think he did an amazing job with it. It was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, Rick raises his python, and just as Michonne gets nearby, he pulls the trigger, shoots the dynamite to blow it up, and the bridge explodes. And it appears to me and to everybody that Rick has gone up in this explosion. Yeah. Magic, magic dynamite. Dynamite doesn't blow up that way. I don't care. It ex- <laughs> okay. It exploded. And it's very little fire. And it's I, concussive. It's not flame. I know. But maybe there was enough fire just to light all that wooden bridge on fire. Well, that's why they use dynamite, because it doesn't light shit on fire. Fair enough. It's a giant explosion, and there's a lot of fire, and it looks yeah, like- using Rick- gasoline or uh, diesel or some other kerosene or something like that will- do all kinds of, anyway, we'll move on. Big explosion, bridge blows up. Uh, Rick, Rick's dead. Rick appeared to blow up in the explosion. It appears he's dead. And I thought to myself, well, there you go. Rick goes out a hero, blowing up a bridge to save everyone. Uh, Daryl cries, lowers his head, close up shot of Daryl. You know, Maggie and this Carol. The best uh, acting that Norman Reedus has ever done. He, in my opinion, what I've seen of him, he's a terribly good actor and I've seen him in lots of stuff where he's really good. And even in this show, he's really good. This was stellar. I, I'm that look on his face. I'm happy to hear you say that. Cause I think it was really, really good too. He's been great lately, but that was a, that was a showstopper right there. Yeah. There were, you know, the, I'm sure there were a lot of tears being shed around the world as this was broadcast because it seems like Rick is dead and how sad it made Daryl was pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maggie and Carol have to hold Michonne back because of course she is distraught. She thinks that Rick has blown up in this bridge as well. And we have now suddenly hundreds and hundreds of firewalkers, zombies on fire who are just plunging into the river and going down. Daryl. That was beautiful. It was, it looked good. I thought it looked really good. Uh, the river's just filling up with the bodies too. You see them flowing down by the camera and stuff like that. It was great. Yeah. It was, it was explosion and, uh, the flaming zombies were falling into the water. It was fire. It was water. It was air. It was, it was, it was great. It was nice to see. It was, <laughs> it was really well shot and, uh, well done. I'm sure it was a special effect and not a practical one. But uh, looked fantastic. Yeah, they did a really good job with that one. So much better than that damn deer we saw a couple seasons ago. I think it might almost make up for the deer. 
Oh, never. Never? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. Like, that was pretty good, but it's not going to, I can't forgive the deer. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, Daryl can't forgive that either because he just turns, walks away, and we get a long fade to black. And we still have five minutes left of the episode. I know. We still like, do. Like, holy crap. This is like, I'm like, okay, credits. And there was no credits. <laughs> and we're like, what? There's more? No. Well, just before we get to the more, or the what comes after, James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania writes, holy crap, dynamite is a nuclear bomb. Based on where Rick was standing, <laughs> it doesn't seem like the blast from the dynamite should kill him. Even if there was an injury, I find it hard to believe he would be blown off the bridge. I'm willing to suspend disbelief a lot, but this was a bit ridiculous. Okay, so dynamite is a concussive blast. Yep. The whole, that's the whole idea behind dynamite is to, you know, blow shit up. Mm -hmm. Take things that are tightly packed together and make them apart. Sure. Right? Yeah. To, to move things. So the fact that there was a concussion that, uh, you know, picked Rick up and took him for a ride through the air someplace, that doesn't. Like, I'm a little surprised he survived the adventure that he had with the dynamite concussive blast, but uh, he definitely wouldn't be in that spot anymore. Right. The, the fact that he was blown off the bridge is not the problem. The giant fireball is the problem. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a different kind of explosion, right? The giant, the, the type of explosions they like to have on television and movies are, you know, very big flames. There's not a lot of concussion to those effects. Uh-huh. Right, they don't want to blow Crama Crew's faces off, right? Okay. The whole idea is that it'd be safe. Yeah. So they don't want to break equipment. They don't want to break people. They try and so they have these big explosions that have some concussion, but it's mostly just f smoke and fire and uh, balls of flame. Dynamite, on the other hand, the whole point is to have concussion. Yeah. Is to have this this shock wave that blows things up. So it doesn't like the fireball. Rick should have been like. You know, a black cinder. Incinerated. Should have been one of those flaming bodies falling off the bridge or mm -hmm. he's lying somewhere else. But for dynamite, he would have been picked up and strewn about the neighborhood. Sure. Well, all those problems aside, I thought the whole thing was done really, really well. To have him seemingly sacrifice himself by exploding himself in front of all his family, as we now can call them was quite the sacrifice and not only that but he was saving you know the hilltop from that giant herd of zombies because they were all going in the water now so i i think the whole thing was done really really well and for a minute there i'm pretty sure rick was dead i was pretty sure rick was dead well didn't madison do the same thing in fear the walking dead and she died apparently well she was inside a a burning baseball stadium and yeah, lots, uh, of fire, lots of fire protecting yeah. other people from the hordes of zombies. Don't save me. There's no point. You right. Can't do it. Right. Uh, and sacrifice yourself. You know, Rick and Madison did the same thing. Madison dies. Rick dies. I assumed. I just like, well, if Madison's died in that same situation, then Rick's got to be dead. Right. Yeah. I thought so. And, and does the, uh, the converse logic also work? That if Rick survives, so does Madison? Maybe. Maybe it does. I don't I know. I believe it does. All right. So Madison's alive. God damn it. You might be right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time I've ever considered the idea that maybe Madison's alive right now, this very moment. <laughs> they didn't show her dead body. You know, show me a, the dead body. Yeah. 
I know. Anyways. I want to see her head on a pike. Well, I don't want to, but that would convince me that she's dead. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Well, they... I thought Rick was dead right here. Uh, we do a long fade to black, as I said, after Daryl walks away. And when we come back up, we have Jadis, back to her, listening on the radio about what happened. She knows the bridge exploded. She knows that Rick sacrificed himself. And she can see the smoke in the distance. And the helicopter approaches. But as the helicopter is flying up, she notices that Rick has washed up on the shore alive. So he's not dead. <laughs> no, and he's, uh, you know, a couple of kilometers away or at least a kilometer away from where it was. Whatever. He washed, he washed down river a bit and he's made it onto the shore. She radios that she now has a B, not an A. And she says she's trying to save a friend. So the helicopter lands. We cut to black. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. How did he get in the river, Rick? He was blown off the bridge by the dynamite into the river. Sideways? Yes. Okay. So the explosion blew him sideways. Yes. Off the bridge. Yes. Just like that Tom Cruise uh, Mission Impossible 2. Correct. When uh, when that explosion happened, he was blown sideways. That's right. Okay. So we're going to use... All right. I can, I, can, I can accept that. If Mission Impossible can get away with it, they can't, by the way, then uh, The Walking Dead can get away with it. Well, I think both can get away with it. Rick was blown off the bridge or... He was knocked down, got up, and stumbled around in a stupor and fell off the bridge. Would oh, you? yeah. He, he was, he, you know, he's still walking around. Do you feel way. better if that's how it went down rather than being blown sideways? Yeah, I do. Okay, good. Because at least the <laughs> physics makes sense. Sure. You've blown way back, out of harm's way. Yep. Uh, not, if, not a hair on his head was singed by that fireball. Fine. Uh, he got up. He's like, you know what? I want to go for a swim. I'm going for a swim. It's my only that way. That was pretty here. hot. I need to cool off a little bit. I'm gonna go get in the river, and I'm just I'm just gonna wade up to my uh, up to my shins. I'm just gonna go into my shins, right? And, right in this uh, rushing water. He's a little bit, yeah. He's a little bit dazed, so he doesn't quite understand that there is a rushing torrent of water, and he goes into his shins, and uh, uh, and then he gets swept down river. Oh, I liked that. Was a little bit hot. I'm gonna go for a swim. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been hot. I've been blown by a fireball. I singed. I got second degree burns in my nose. We've. I think we've talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Big flaming fireball. Oh. Uh, no concussion. Not dynamite. Just flash paper. Sure. Like lots of flame. Nothing else. Even low temperature frame flame. I got. I smell like burnt hair for like three weeks. I know. <laughs> it's a good story. Um, I thought you were going to talk about the B, the A B thing again because she explicitly this time says, "I have a B, not an A." Yeah, we, we talked about it earlier. I don't know what it means. Nobody knows what it means. All I don't right. think it means man, woman. I don't think it means friend, enemy. I don't think it means infected, not infected. Uh, I think it, I don't think it's A type personality versus B type personality, if that's the thing. Uh, no. So we don't know. Uh, we don't know. But anyways, she, she has someone and this is enough to get the helicopter to land. We cut to black. And we get Space Junk by Wang Chung playing again. And this is the same song that played during the final shots of the pilot episode nine years ago. Yeah, Wang Chung, man. Yeah, totally good stuff. We fade back up. You think, is that the end of the episode? No, it's not. We fade back up and Jadis is flying away with Rick in the helicopter. He's obviously received some medical treatment. She says, you're going to be okay. And we go outside the helicopter. It flies off into the distance slowly and then the shot transitions into what appears to be much later. 
because it's the same scene, but you know, there's a building there that's totally destroyed a building. I mean, like a cabin kind of thing that's now down. Everything's more overgrown. So some time has passed. Well, wait, wait. So the helicopter itself had an A on it, right? It did. It also had that three circle symbol that we've seen before too. Yeah. So they are definitely retconning the A's from all the past seasons that didn't mean anything. Could A and B be different communities, different groups of people within this larger community and they're they're recruiting people for community A or community B and depending on what you do or what your particular skills are make you an A or a B member. And that's Yeah, that, that could be it. That's a helicopter from A group. Yeah, I mean that's kind of weird, but yeah. It just came to me. I don't like, know. Maybe it's a thing. Yeah, it could be. It could be just, uh, you know, he's, he's a bee. Or if he was a bee, I'd take him over to the... No, but he is a bee. He's a bee. Why would the A people take a bee, if that's the case? Well, maybe it's their turn picking people up. I don't know. Maybe the, maybe the A group are the ones that fly helicopters and stuff like that. And the B group are the ones that ride wagons and... I don't know. I'm just saying. Maybe they're, maybe it's an, it's another idea I just had. Maybe it's food preference. Could be. You know? Maybe, uh, you know, Father Gabe, you know, I really thought that you like pizza, but you're more of a nacho guy and I can't live with that. <laughs> so I'm going to knock you out and leave you in a, in a, in a dumpster of some kind. Mm-hmm. And then Rick is just like, well, yeah, he, you know, he, he generally likes, uh, nachos, but I, I'm pretty sure he likes pizza. So I'm going to, we're going to take him because this is the pizza group. Sure. Pizza group. Why not? <laughs> you know, it's group. all it's all cheese the and toppings on some kind of carbohydrate based thing with sauce, and it's all delightful. But some people don't like nachos, and they like pizza, and I just don't understand. All right, well, someday we'll find out, but no day soon because we see this scene. Some time passes, obviously, and without a cut, we now hear and see a bunch of zombies, and a new group of characters are fighting them off. Uh, new, although we did see them in the, the Comic-Con trailer earlier. So this is the first introduction to this group. And this is Magna, Yumiko, Luke, Connie, and Kelly for the first time. They fight off these zombies as best they can, but they get surrounded. And then suddenly someone starts shooting, clears a path for them. And you hear a girl's voice tell them to run this way. They run into the forest, find the source of the voice in there. And she introduces herself as Judith, Judith Grimes and puts on the sheriff's hat. The end. Okay. Uh, she's got a katana. Yep. And a big pistol. Yeah. Is that Rick's Python? I, I don't know if you have the video in front of you, you tell me because I'm not sure if it is. Well, I just wondering like Michonne's katana. That's one thing. Uh, right. Yep. Cause he's like, here, here's the katana. But, how would they get Rick's Python? He blew up the bridge with it. So did he? Okay. So he was holding it when the bridge blew up. So he got blown back 50 feet or whatever. And then we got up when he got up to take the swim, mm-hmm. he didn't pick it up. So it's just lying there. It must've been just lying there. Yeah. So that when they searched the area afterwards, they went, Oh, there's Rick's gun and a blood trail going towards the river. Uh, I guess he's dead. He must be dead. Yeah. Uh, or, or Yeah. Anyways, did she? Is it his gun? Does she? Is she holding the python? Or- uh, she's holding a really big revolver. I don't. I don't know. Uh, okay. Individually, if it's the same one, but it looks like a really long barrel and a big damn revolver, way too big for someone 
of her size. Cool. Uh, well, like it would pick her up and take her for a walk, I, that kind of thing, if she were to try and fire it. I, I like in my opinion. I like the concept, though. She's got, you know, she's got the sheriff's hat on, which is you could argue is Carl's hat, even though it was Rick's originally. She's got a katana, whether it's actually Michonne's or if it's just a smaller. It looked a little smaller to me than it a full did. Size. It looked like a wakasashi. Yeah, so maybe a, a small version of the katana. And called a wakasashi. Fair enough. I've never heard that word before in my life, but I'll take your word for it. Katana, Wakasashi, put them together, they're Daisho. Thanks. Okay. Um, and then she's got Rick's gun. She's, she's a little bit of all those people, which I think is just a really nice uh, touch, <laughs> I guess. Right. And she's out here all by herself, which makes her an idiot. All by herself. Um, and that's it. That is the end of the episode. So I'm just going to read through a few more holy craps here that are all related to the end before we talk about this a bit more. Cindy in Columbus, Ohio said, holy crap, that ending. I am stunned on so many levels right now. Chelsea in Boston writes, holy crap, did you see that parallel? Rick came into the show in a hospital bed and he's leaving it in one. He's on a hospital bed in the helicopter. That's pretty good. Uh, A call here from designer Will. Holy crap. Did you see how freaking good that episode was? Oh, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around it. So much in there. Thank you, Will, for that. I agree. It was so good. It was very good. Bill in New Jersey writes, I usually write really long emails to you, but all I can say tonight is holy crap, holy crap, holy crap to everything. Angela Kang is awesome. (laughs) Holy crap. Did you see holy crap? Exactly. So good. Uh, Joe in the UK writes, wait, what the, I mean, holy fucking crap. Did you see that second time jump? What the shit? (laughs) <laughs> also good and finally I couldn't have put it better myself yeah finally um dan in columbus ohio writes holy crap how will they age enid for this time jump <laughs> which is not something that i thought of at all <laughs> when we pass through time well, they, they here can't but do that they're not gonna do that they're not gonna do that but i think enid is old enough that we can go six years into the future and uh, and and she can look basically the same. Okay, where did you get that number? Officially announced. Six years. Six years <sighs> passed in a fade, Jason. That makes her. That makes her nine. Yeah, about eight. Yeah, she was two, maybe almost three. So yeah, she's about eight or nine years old. That's too young to have a python and a and a wakasashi. Um, the actress is eleven in real life. Uh, see, that's how I old I would have put. I would have put her. I would have put her at 11 or 12. So how old's your daughter now? She's what, 17? Feels like it, but she's only 11 too. <laughs> yeah. So would you uh, would you trust her with a large caliber handgun? Well, no, of course not. But you no, know- no, I'm not saying that as a father, would you like to give her one and say, you know, good luck. Would if you were to properly train her and impart upon her the... Uh, the inherent danger and respect that you should have for a firearm, would you allow her to walk around with a firearm or would she be a little too uh, unpredictable with it? Uh, I I don't think I would allow my children to have firearms to begin with. So no, I wouldn't. Okay. Trained or otherwise. Well, that That's fair. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a matter of, do you think that she is emotionally capable of understanding the severity of uh, mistakes that can be made with such a with such a thing that she's carrying around. My daughter or Judith? Your daughter. Um, See, I'm trying to compare, you know, they gave this eight-year-old 
or 11-year-old, either one, they gave her a uh, a sword and a handgun. A big one. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah. So I'm just, you know, I my son is obviously too young to be given a handgun. Yes. Uh, even, you know, to look at. Uh, but your daughter is about the same age as this actress. So let's, if we assume that it's the same age as uh, as Judith is, like even though it isn't, uh, is someone of that age emotionally and uh, mentally capable of understanding uh, the responsibility of having a loaded weapon? Well, I personally don't believe so, but I also think there are extenuating circumstances when you factor in the zombie apocalypse. Okay. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> Is that all you just wanted me to say no? No, I didn't want to say, I wanted you to say no. I wanted you, I wanted your opinion. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm not sure. All right. At what, like, I was first given a loaded weapon at the age of 17. Right. I was not mentally capable of understanding what was in my hands at that time. Even at that time? Even at that, like, because when we were on the rifle range at the time when we were firing off live rounds in a semi-automatic weapon, which is completely... Uh, you cannot own these in Canada. Like you can't even, you can't get them. It's because you were in the uh, military, sort of. I was in the military, yeah. being trained in the military. We were on the rifle range. Behind us in a tower was a regular forces uh, soldier with a loaded weapon that was authorized to shoot us if we pointed that weapon anywhere other than downrange. Mm -hmm. And the instructor told us that. You point that thing down anywhere but in that direction, that guy is allowed to shoot you. And he and will. That's what you do to a 17-year-old to enforce them to to ensure that they're secure with that weapon yeah. when it's loaded. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I can't imagine being able to convince an 11-year-old uh, to be safe with so, something like that. So all this is to say, were you thinking that more time had passed or you just yes. didn't know? Well, I thought I, I would have pegged her at 11 or 12. Okay. I mean, without knowing anything, she's definitely 11 in real life. Um, but six years is what Scott Gimple, uh, said officially has passed. Scott Gimple's wrong. Well, he's got to be wrong. That's way too short a time period. Cause even if Judith is over three, that's still nine. And that's, doesn't make any sense. Well, I, I don't know. I think she looks about the right age. This new nine-year-old Judith is played by Kaylee Fleming, who is has already made a decent little career for herself. Most notably, she was young Ray in The Force Awakens. So oh. that that makes her pretty famous already, in my opinion. But Super. She, she was also in that uh, Jennifer Garner movie, Peppermint, from, I don't know, last year or maybe this year. Uh, and that, she, she, that's a movie? Yeah, it's a movie. She was on one episode of Preacher. Too, so she's been around a little bit. Um, I still have to watch the second season of that. I still haven't seen it. I'm partway through, partway through, but I haven't watched it in a long time because I haven't had time. Anyways, uh, Kaylee Fleming is now Judith Grimes, and I thought she looked awesome on the show. I was very excited. Anyways, the episode is done, and it's been six years, and the ep it was awesome. Like, that is all. I, I don't know what else to, to tell you. I think it was amazing. I think it was a fantastic goodbye episode for Rick. It didn't bother me at all that he didn't die. It also didn't bother me that he flew away in a helicopter. <laughs> like it just, maybe he did die and flying away in the helicopter is his dream. Cause he did, uh, he, he did envision the helicopters at the beginning. 
So maybe it's all uh, it's all in his head. Yeah, well, I don't think so. I think he really flew away on that helicopter. But I, I was thinking- What would happen next episode if we found out that Father Gabe uh, killed Anne? You uh, know, when, uh, when she tried to attack him, uh, he tells the story of actually having to kill her. So that makes Anne dead and therefore none of this really happening? That's right. She's a figment of Rick's imagination. <sighs> well, that's not the case. And uh, <laughs> I'll explain why in a minute. But I was thinking about about this kind of storytelling. When you when you have a character, it's it's such a simple concept, really. You have a character who's searching for something. In this case, Rick is looking for his family. He thinks he's looking for his literal family, but you know, of course, he realizes that all the people he's he's known over the last few years are really his family. And he, he's dying, so he kind of finds his people and then he accepts his fate. And his fate is to die. But I feel like this is a thing when telling stories where you have a character who's strong like this, they accept their fate, and that's to die, and then that isn't what happens. It's not what the character expects. And that's what we got here. We got this kind of story where the guy finds what he's looking for, decides that that's it. He can now move on, but then it doesn't sort of play out the way the character expects. So I just think it was done really well. Yeah. Like Lieutenant Dan in uh, Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. He was he was expecting to die in Vietnam. Sorry for, for the spoilers of Forrest Gump. Jeez, man. But. His family, someone had fought and died in every single American war, and it was his war in Vietnam to fight and die. But then Forrest Gump fucked it all up by saving his life, so he had to deal with that. <laughs> right. Uh, I was thinking like Luke Skywalker in Empire when he when Darth Vader has him out on that thing in uh, Cloud City, right? And there's nothing more he can do. He accepts his fate, and he lets go, expecting to die because... That's what needs to happen. And then he doesn't. He survives and com- something yeah. completely different happens, right? Saved by technology. Saved by technology. In this well, because I assume that like, he, felt, he also fell sideways, right? He was falling down in Cloud City and then he went into that, uh, that chute. Sucked into that vent, yeah. Sucked into that sideways. So the only thing I can think of is that uh, Cloud City has a safety system mm-hmm. to catch people that fall into this big giant hole that's in the middle of it for some reason <laughs> and, and uh, sucks him into this uh, safety vent and then spits him out into the sky through a mess of uh, right. antennas on the bottom. Well, I mean, there's some engineer going, I wish people would just stop accepting their damn fate and jumping into that hole. We got to do yeah. something about that. <laughs> yeah. So I assume it was some kind of uh, safety system. Anyways, that's... And then got messed up because why would it spit him out of a hole Onto an antenna. Right. It seems like a really weird place to dump your trash. It does a little bit. But anyways, that's kind of silly. But I think on Walking Dead, it was awesome and it worked great. And Rick flies away on a helicopter. Um, and we are now six years in the future. So that is crazy town, in my opinion. To to, to, to have a one point one and a half year time jump to start the season and you think all right they've done their time jump that's what we're getting and then five episodes in finish with six years in the future it's now been seven and a half years since they put negan in that cell yeah it's beautiful and i'll tell you why i like this please do uh i well the reason i like this for three reasons and i can only think of two right now i'm hoping by the end of my sentence that i'll (laughs) thought of a third all right uh the first reason is that 
I like time jumps. I don't know why, but uh, having a time jump of a year and a half is satisfying because then you get to tell the backstory of what happened in that year and a half. And it, I find that I find that entertaining. Sure. So I like that time jump. And so we get another time jump that's even further in the future. Mm-hmm. And now Judith is this uh, kick-ass, uh, uh, kick-ass badass with like, weapons and hats and things. She's she's, and she's saving people. She's not such a little ass kicker anymore. No, she's just an ass kicker. Yeah. So uh, I like that kind of time jump, but what really messes with your noodle is that Rick didn't die. And what the fuck's he been doing for six years? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Jason, because Don in Wisconsin, I lied before, I do have one more holy crap. Don okay. in Wisconsin writes... Fantastic episode. Just effing great. So much to holy crap about, but biggest of all, holy crap, we're going to get Rick Grimes movies. And seeing as you keep yourself, um, uh, what did I say? Unsullied from the news. Segregated. uh, Well, you know. You you keep yourself out of there's, it. There's a term. There's a term for it where I've been. I'm I'm stuck in my own little basement without contact with the outside world. Sure, that's what you do. Seeing as that's the case, you also don't know until this right very moment that they, Scott Gimple, has officially announced that they are making three Rick Grimes movies. No, they no. Are, they aren't. Shut up. They are making. <laughs> <laughs> they are being produced by AMC for broadcast on AMC feature length Rick Grimes movies on AMC over the next few years starring Andrew Lincoln as Rick Grimes in case that wasn't clear <laughs> okay so i'm going to have to wrap my head around this so as he said at Comic-Con yes i am leaving the show but my relationship with this character is far from over he wasn't right. lying Yep, that's the part of the thing that's been that just got into my noodle. Uh, so we didn't know what that meant. Now we do. Mm-hmm. So they're so Rick is spinning them off into a movie series, a made-for-TV movie series. Yes, they've called them feature-length. Um, made. I don't think he actually said made-for-TV, but that's what they are: feature-length, feature-length broadcast television movies. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Starring Andrew Lincoln as Rick Grimes. Um, so he will not be on the show anymore, but they've spun off the character into films, basically. But, but, so he's got to die at the end of that? Well, anything can happen at the end of those. It's, it might not just be a trilogy. It might be more. It might be other things. Like Scott Gimple said, we're working on all kinds of stuff, um, Digital content, he said, and he said even some content that we have trouble classifying right now. But the main announcement was Rick Grimes is done with the Walking Dead TV show, but we're making a trilogy of films. So there you go, man. I've been holding on to that for like an hour and a half now, waiting to tell you. <laughs> I don't think I like this. No? You don't like no. this? It, I... I was so on board with the mystery. I was so happy about not knowing what's going to happen or what happened to Rick. He's just gone. And they made it so final by jumping ahead what I thought was 10 years, but turns out to only be six. Mm -hmm. Uh, By jumping ahead this huge time period, they kind of put 
close to it, right? Rick's gone. He doesn't show up. Well, we don't know. Like he could. Be, well, we know he left the show, so I assume that the time jump does not include Rick Grimes. It's not like he went out, uh, you know, faced some things, and then a year later came back, and all of a sudden he's on the show again. They could have totally done that if Andrew Lincoln hadn't left. But knowing that he had left, that this was something that I accepted from what the show showed me, mm-hmm. and I liked that it it made it so final and such a big mystery that he's gone and six years have passed, or what I thought was 10 years had passed, and he hasn't returned. What the hell happened to Rick? And now they, I find out that they're, uh, they're making uh, a made-for-TV or, you know, feature-length broadcast television movies about what happens to Rick, and all of a sudden this mystery that I really liked is gone. Well, I can see your point. Um, he's not coming back. Like, it's going to be different stories in a different but, place with Rick. But I liked not knowing what was go- what happened to him. Yeah, fair enough. Maybe if Anne came back, she might be able to explain it and say, oh, we went to blah, 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 and did this blah, 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 but then he left mm-hmm. to go and try and find his family. Yeah. And, oh, he, he's not back here? Oh, shit. <laughs> I figured he'd come back, yeah. <laughs> no, I got to assume she'll be in the movies, too. I mean, she was in that helicopter with him, so. Yeah, I, which was, she, she was pretty sweet on him in the uh, the last couple of seasons, too, right? Oh, that's right. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Jadis was, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the deal, man. We are getting made-for-TV Rick movies, which doesn't disappoint me as much as it sounds like it disappoints you. I can see your point about the mystery being kind of a good fun mystery just to let hang there. Yeah. But I also have to admit, I am kind of excited about seeing Rick somewhere else with other people doing other things. I would have accepted novels. I would have enjoyed novels. Yeah. If they had come out with that. Well, listen, if you don't want to watch the Rick movies, I'll find. It's not that I don't want to know what happens. It's just I'm disappointed that they're doing it. All right. Well, listen, man, maybe they'll turn out to be really, really fantastic and it'll make it all worth it. I mean, we can hope, right? Yes. Okay. But it's so, it's so open and we know we can't, we can't go back to the show. He's not going back to the show. We know that. So at least these three movies are going to end with him not going back to the show. Actually, we don't know that for sure. He, they could do these movies and then they could they could he could show up back on the tv show like you, you know, think they're just fucking with us no i that's I, a whole other level of messing with their audience it is but these movies are going to take years to pan out like they haven't as far as i know they haven't even begun shooting them yet and it takes a long time to shoot and produce a movie so at least 30 days well from okay. what i've heard okay but like at the bare minimum yeah <laughs> At least 30 whole days. That's right. So in a month yeah. from now, we're going to get movie number one. No. And it can cost upwards of $50,000. Listen, the earliest I think we could get the first of these movies would be fall 2019. That's next yeah, year. Yeah, they're going to lead them into the new season of the show, right? I don't. It's like, oh, where's Rick? Rick's gone. Oh, well, let's find out what's happened to Rick. And then, yeah, they're going to totally play the movie uh, you know, a couple of hours before they air the first episode. Well, I don't know. I feel like that would that would mean it would come on next October before season 10 starts. And that, to me, feels like too early. But maybe the earliest I could see would be next fall. I think it's more likely that we'll get the first one maybe at Christmas next year during the hiatus. 
right, during the break in season 10, or even more likely, I think, probably in spring 2020, um, you know, which is about a year and a half from now, because that's just how long it's going to take. And they'll probably maybe debut that Rick movie, that first Rick movie, when season 10 finishes, um, just to, you know, keep the keep the fans excited. So that's movie number one in a year and a half from now. And if we get the second and the third, maybe 12 months each after that, we're still like three and a half years away from these three movies being out and released. So at that point, we're looking at season 12 or whatever. He could come back to the show or he could die in the third movie. And that would, that'll be that. That'll be the end of Rick's story. Finally. So you think he just wanted a break from the show? I just, you know, I want to take a, couple of years. I don't want to do the show every year, but I'll do a movie. Shooting. And then maybe come back. Shooting the show is like an eight month commitment living in Georgia. Shooting a movie, like you said, is 30 days, 45 days. He's done and he's back at home with his family in London, which is what he wants. So I I think this is going to work for Andy Lincoln. And, you know, it's, I think it's going to work for all of us too. I have a, I have a good feeling about it. Okay. And I'm looking forward to Rick Grimes' movies. I just am. I don't know why. <laughs> I'll have to, this, like you said, this is uh, this is fresh to me. And that's just my take because the episode is pretty fresh to me as well. Yeah. I didn't watch it until this afternoon. Right. Okay. <laughs> I watched it twice this afternoon, but I didn't watch it until this afternoon. So this is, this is all pretty new to me. So I haven't had a chance to digest this properly. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, segregated. That's it. I've been segregated from the uh, <laughs> great from the, from the media. Uh, well, I get it. This is a lot of information for you all at once. I'm not done yet, though. <laughs> okay, there's more. <laughs> there's more. Um, number one, not that we can really talk about it here because you haven't watched it, but after the live broadcast of this episode, they did uh, basically a trailer for the next three episodes, which will lead oh, yeah. us into the mid-season finale, and. So they showed a bunch of stuff that's upcoming in the next three, and I think it looks great. There are some very surprising and shocking details in that, you know, minute and a half long trailer for the next three episodes that blew my socks off. And it was not on the end of the iTunes version, which is, I know, what you watched. So you haven't seen that yet. So I haven't, but I have an idea of what would be awesome. All right. Well... If you want, you can take a guess, or you can just watch it, and we'll talk about it on Thursday when we do feedback. Well, can I take a guess right here, right now? Do it. I think what happened was uh, Maggie built a tower in order to put Negan up in the tower, and he grew his hair really long like Rapunzel, and that's his uh, plan to escape, is to let his hair down and have uh, someone climb up and uh, help get him down. Well, you do have, Jason, a remarkable talent of almost guessing things, <laughs> but not quite getting there. <laughs> right. Are so, you talking, are you saying that they put him up on a pole? Like they, like that guy in, uh, what was that TV show where 2% of the population dis- disappeared? The, um, the return. No, uh, I know what you mean. The, yeah. The HBO they went, show. They went to a town in, uh, that nobody left and there was a guy up in a tower. Right. It was just, he was sitting, living in a pole. Is that is that is that what they did to Negan? No, that's not what they did to Negan. Um, I I don't even want to tell you. All right, I'll watch it. Yeah, you should watch we'll it. We'll talk about we'll it. We'll talk about it on uh, on Thursday maybe. But so there's that, which is cool. 
Um, and then finally, the last bit of information I want to lay on you here that uh, is that episode five was not just the last episode for Rick Grimes. It was also the last episode for Maggie, which is not something that they advertised and isn't really clear if you just watch the episode. Yeah, that is surprising a little bit. I figured that she'd get uh, till the mid-season break before she left. You'd think so, but something has happened in six years and she's not around anymore or she's, she's not shown anymore. So the Hollywood Reporter uh, broke this story. And this is from their article. That's the last of her for this season, showrunner Angela Kang confirms. AMC programming president David Madden verifies the news by adding, I would hope it's not the last you'll see of her for the show, but she is not in any immediately forthcoming episodes. Oh. So no more Lauren Cohan either as Maggie after this, which um, Kind of got a little overshadowed, I think, by all the Rick stuff, which well, yeah, I can I can understand, but I'm bummed out a bit because I think Maggie's been spectacular this season, and I'm sorry to see her go as well. Yeah, it was a Rickisode, not a Magisode. Exactly, but it should have been a little of both. I think. If well, there- I think that uh, maybe Lauren Conan Cohan should have uh, stuck it out until the end of the season or the end of the half season in order to get her own spotlight. It's just, it seems a little lackluster. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, uh, Maggie's gone. Yeah. Did she take her baby with her? Or- uh, I don't know. I, I wonder, actually. I hadn't thought of that. Is Herschel going to be six years old now <laughs> when we come back, or is he going to be gone too? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. What about that other baby, the one they stole? Uh, baby and murdered murdered his parents. Baby Gracie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, don't know. Maybe there'll be another, you know, six, seven-year-old girl around. You know, I'll, I'll tell you one thing about the trailer for the next three episodes. There is a boy in it who maybe, oh no, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a half Asian boy. <laughs> it was Henry. So Henry's older now and he's still on the show. So they've, they've got nice. older Henry now. Um, and of course, Henry would be a teenager, not, uh, not a six-year-old. So I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with Herschel coming coming next week. But yeah, anyways, Maggie's done as well, which is kind of sad. Uh, but hopefully, as they said, she's not done with the show forever, but she's not coming back in season nine. Oh, my God. Did they give Daryl a haircut? You got to watch. They did. They did. You can't, I know that look. <laughs> and that audio pause. Oh, that, that's one of the surprising things you were talking about. I know that, that look on your face. It's not the only thing, but I'm, well, no, of course not. I'm excited for you to watch it. That would be the surprising thing. Yeah. All right. And Daryl grows up. Awesome. Okay. Uh, Jason, that was season nine, episode five, the final Rick Grimes episode on The Walking Dead. I thought it was amazing. I think we've, Covered it pretty well, but anything else you want to say about it before we wrap up? Uh, I just, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a very um, surprising, uh, n- not typical, but excellent uh, ending episode for an actor on a show. I think so too. I think they stuck the landing. I think they nailed it in this case. Yep. Which so far in season nine, five for five. Stuck the landing <laughs> on a piece of rebar. They really, really did. All right, everyone, Uh, we will be back on Thursday when we do our feedback show. I'm sure there is bound to be tons of it. So 
send in, send in all your thoughts and comments and questions about this final episode for Rick Grimes, how you were feeling when, when you were watching it, uh, what you thought when the bridge exploded, did you think Rick was dead? Did you think he was alive? How you feel about him flying off in a helicopter? I want to hear all this stuff. And of course, anything else you have to say about the episode, send it in. You can do that by sending email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or go to our website, click on send voicemail and record a message right into your computer. Um, but of course, also record it on your phone if you like with the voice memo app and email that to the email address. That usually works really, really well. Hoping to get tons and have a nice, big, long, fancy feedback show on Thursday. You can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead. Uh, just because of the magnitude of this episode, I was on Twitter a little bit more in the last couple of days, which usually doesn't go very well for me because of AMC's show and all the confusion. <laughs> but I was checking it out. And, of course, our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash The Talking Dead. Okay, that's it. No more Rick Grimes after this until we get his movies, which I'm really excited about, and we will cover here on the podcast someday. <laughs> someday. Um, but until next week, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.